even like getting a boyfriend, because I'm not interested. I'm unfriending you. You're listening to Revenge of the Drive-In. If this is your first time listening to us, this is a podcast where we randomly select two movies from a list of over 3,000 movies that are usually in the horror, action, or exploitation range. This time we've got a couple of psychological question mark thrillers, and they are 1992's Single White Female and 2015's, I believe, well, definitely made for TV, I believe made for the Lifetime Network, Stalked by my doctor. I am your host, Patrick, and I am joined for the first time by... Katie. Hi. How's it going? Happy to be here. It's it's great to have you on here, Katie. I'm sure our listeners will all love you, of course, but... No, no pressure. I, I just wanted to give a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I will... No, the pressure should be on me because I talked you into this. So... And watch, this I will hope be the I, first I I do not and last time that I will be allowed here after this. <laughs> I talked you into this, and I, I this might not have been the best, the best method to get you on here, but I kind of went with, listen, Stalked by My Doctor is way better than you might think it is, and so I am curious to hear your thoughts on that, <laughs> because that is a film that I am a big fan of, but before that, we will be talking about the 1992 film Single White Female, which I had never seen before, had you? I had not heard of or seen either of these, but well, you know sure. what? Listen, I, I too stalked by my doctor when you sent me that text. I watched it and then <laughs> I went into the entire stalked by my doctor uh, multiverse. There's a cinematic universe. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> there are a lot of them and they are all somehow exactly the same, but so different. I hate to admit that I enjoyed them, but you know what? I might I might have liked <laughs> them a lot, and I might want there to be another one. So yeah, so I'll I'll talk about this when we get into that. But like how I just kind of stumbled upon that movie, I think there's a little bit of a story there. But Katie, perhaps you can get us started with single white female. Of course. Well, let's start off with the fact that this entire beginning of this movie is my my nightmare and i don't think that this any of this could happen outside of the 90s but wait wait just 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 the beginning uh <laughs> because i no, you could say the, the entire movie, movie is your nightmare yeah the whole movie yeah, okay. is my nightmare but i also don't think yeah. any of it could happen outside of probably like the 90s 2000s and before you know okay it's funny you you say that because i i definitely see what you mean about the kind of being trapped in the era in which it was made and we can get into that. Um, I'm thinking even just the opening scene. Like, there's a, a major plot point that is revealed via voice message on a home phone. And, like, no one... Yeah, When exactly. was the last time someone else heard a voicemail that was meant for you, right? It doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. But I will say, <laughs> I think I may have a worse roommate story than this one. Oh, I'm I don't so know. excited to hear about that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. In this city, on this street, in this apartment... Hi, are you Allison Jones? I'm Hedra Carlson. Hedra, that's unusual. When can you move in? An ad for a roommate brought a stranger into Allison's life. Someone. Beautiful on you. Who shares. What's well, kind of fun having a girlfriend again? Someone. Do you guys know when you'll be back? Uh, no, it's kind of an anniversary tonight. Really? Who cares? 
Where the hell have you been? I mean, well, we start off with the creepy scene of the two girls putting on lipstick in the mirror, which just right off the bat confused me when we went into Like, I get it by the end, but, you know, when we finally get to the actual story with Allie in her super fancy New York City apartment with her... Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous building. Gorgeous. Okay, but also, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is, again, just me in a housing crisis. The fact that they live in this beautiful apartment and their their (laughs) bed is on the floor and, like... They're supposed to be successful yeah. yuppies in New York and they don't have a bed frame. Like immediate red flags right yeah. off the bat. <laughs> I mean, so much of the so much of the plot is dependent on the main character to be hard up for money, but also like look at this apartment and then yeah, yeah, the, not only you you mentioned the no bed frame and the bed on the floor. Is there like anything even on the walls? I feel no, like everything in this apartment is bare. except for peeling paint. It's there's peeling paint on the walls and that's it. Okay. So, I mean, okay. we're in this beautiful apartment and yeah, like you were saying, she, you know, she's in bed with her, you know, hot the uh, fiance <laughs> like or whatever. A, like a da- damn damn bitch you live like this kind of yeah. kind of apartment. Yeah, basically, like <laughs> d- he must live somewhere better, but then of course you find out that he has an ex-wife. So, I mean, Makes sense. His nice house is probably there in New York. So his nice house is probably like in Jersey or Connecticut or something. Sure. But yeah, like you were saying, gets a phone call. Because one, who who calls? And who calls in the middle of the night? <laughs> and so we let it go to voicemail. Or we pick up. And the first time it's the ex-wife, which drama, love. Good for her for being understanding. But how does the ex-wife have her phone number? whatever that you know yeah i don't think i made that connection but yes i'm such a girl i'm like why why does this woman have your you know new girlfriend's phone number this makes no sense to me but (laughs) well i guess if he's living there why does she need to talk to him it's his it's the ex they don't have children together there's no reason for them to ever speak again (laughs) listen i've never been divorced but (laughs) there's there's probably a universe in which there's a reason but uh, no i see what you mean perhaps Anyway, so we, you know, wake up, she's called again, it goes to voicemail, and I never had a voicemail machine like this growing up, but it starts to play the message out loud, so of course Allie gets out of bed with him to uh, go turn it off, and doesn't she just find out that he has slept with his ex-wife on this very night? And it sounds like, I don't know if you got this vibe, but the way that they were in, you know, in bed together, it sounds like he had just proposed that night, which makes it even, like, more shady, the way that he was like, yeah, we'll go get a ring tomorrow. So automatically, we do not like this man. Or I do not like this no. man. Things are bad. Well, I mean, he was he was from Wings, too. So unless he's <laughs> uh, Tony Shalhoub, how much are we really going to like him? Uh, no, this is uh, Stephen Weber, who I don't know what it is about this guy. I've seen him in a ton of things as like a like TV guest actor man. I've just seen him in a bunch yeah, of things. Yeah, he's got the face where you're like, I know that face, but I don't know what exactly, I know that yeah. face from funny i looked him up as well and when i saw his imdb i was like oh he's the dog from all dogs go to heaven and that is <laughs> that was my connection <laughs> um so we got bridget fonda as ally which i think i watched this entire movie not realizing that was bridget fonda bridget fonda is like obviously i'm familiar with the fondas yeah but bridget fonda is just like it's like a name i know i don't really i guess i didn't know what she looked like 
Yeah, neither did I. And honestly, looking at her, I, you know, I just, when I think Fonda, I think Jane. And obviously, Jane is, you know. I'm a Henry guy, but oh, um, she I is. I think Jane. Is it Peter? Peter's her. Well, listen, I Peter's love, her I love Barbarella dad. as much as the next guy. <laughs> yeah, P- Peter's the dad. Yeah. So that makes a little bit of sense because I don't think I could pick Peter Fonda out of a lineup. You no, know? I, I don't absolutely really know what he could. looks like. No. I know Henry Fonda and Jane Fonda, obviously. And there might be more Fondas. I'm sure there are, and I'm sure they're also maybe they're in the life lifetime movie universe. So <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to continue to explore that. But anyway, so obviously drama ensues, dramatic breakup. He's kicked out of this apartment, which I still don't understand how she affords at this point. And then this is my this is where my nightmare starts. This this whole finding okay. a new roommate thing. This yes. this alone. There's a reason I choose to live in a tiny apartment, and it's because I would rather have a not-so-nice apartment and just not have to deal with someone. So, you Oh, know. I, I'm, I'm with you, and this goes back to, I had an awful roommate in college, which I'm sure I'll get into. We'll, we'll just keep teasing that, you know. If you, if you keep <laughs> listening to us, you will hear my awful roommate story, or at least the parts that I'm legally able to share. But... Yeah, I, I, I like swore off roommates forever. I'm just like, no. The process, you know, the process I went through was, you know, scouring Facebook Marketplace. And I that was bad enough. So I can't imagine having to basically go in with a CV the way some of these women did. And then did you see she mm-hmm. had a Polaroid camera and was taking pictures of them all? Like what? I just, I don't know oh. if that's how it was done, but yeah, like, I forgot about that. so strange. Yeah, but she need headshots for, like, and what, what does she do with the girls she doesn't pick? What, 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 does she just throw those out? Like, I just, strange, very strange to me. Yeah. You know, we go through all the tropes of like, oh, like the ultra feminist burn your bra chick, <laughs> you know, the super holistic girl. And then at the end, you know, there's the cute little blonde that seems perfect. And she's like, oh, yeah, like, I'll reach out to you. Then there's the psychotic doctor played by Eric Roberts. Oh, yeah. Wait, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they all leave and she sees the photo of her ex on the fridge and has a little mental breakdown. And of course, then in walks this cute, shy little girl who is trying to console her through all of this drama, but at the same time wants the apartment, which again, if I walked up to an apartment and a chick was crying, like that would be a red flag for me. I'd be like, I don't think I want to live with this girl. She seems to have things going on. As the prospective roommate. Yeah, I think that is, that's a red flag, but that's not like an insurmountable red flag, right? I I guess if you're like really, and it's a really nice apartment. Like we've said, it's a really nice apartment in a beautiful building. Like maybe you could look Mm -hmm. past that. And I mean, when we learn more about. I got with just with the building. I mean, they show the, the exterior of it. It's, it's called the. Wikipedia says it's the Ansonia Hotel. It's in Manhattan, obviously. It reminded me a lot of the Dakota Apartments, which is, if you know the Dakota Apartments, you know it either because that's where John Lennon lived and that's where he was shot outside of, or that's where the movie Rosemary's Baby takes place. So it it reminded me a lot of that, and I was picturing it was kind of in the same area. It looks like it's not really, but it's not, like, too far from it. No, it definitely has that very, like... Beau Arts vibe, you know, I'm pretty sure it's, I was reading up about it too, and it was, it's, you know, it's a register of historic places, like this is a, it's a New York icon, so. To somebody. <laughs> Some, Listen, I, I lived in New York it. for three and a half years, and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't tell you what the hell this building is, so. Yeah, so we of course pick the chick who 
consoled us, have a little bonding moment over a broken sink, you know, nothing, again, nothing makes me want to move into apartment more than the sink absolutely drenching me when I've come to visit it, but <laughs> to each their own. It, it's an apartment with character is what yeah, that tells so me. so quirky. <laughs> right, so we pick the slightly crazy chick. It is what it is. I, again, have no idea what the timeline of this movie is. That kept throwing me off too, because it seems like all of this is happening in like, you know, a week, you know? She comes in yeah. and meets them, and then all of a sudden she's moving in, like, immediately after, so... Also, also we haven't said this is... This new roommate is Hedra, who Allie immediately nicknames Hedy. Hedy Hedra's a weird name. Uh, yeah, well, there's that. I was thinking of... Hedra, I was thinking of Hedera, the smog monster from the Godzilla <laughs> movies, but... Um, <laughs> I immediately I went to Hedy Lamar, the same as Alan sure. Did, yeah, but... I'm familiar with the name, but yes, yeah. And this is Jennifer Jason Lee, star of uh, Fast Times, The Hateful Eight. She's in Twin Peaks: The Return. This is another one of those like she's always the quirky girl. Yeah, I've seen her just in in a ton of things. Absolutely, like I, I know I've seen her in other stuff too. When I was reading up about this movie, you know, I mean, I watched it and I'm watching it from you know the lens of the 2020s, but I was like, oh, this seems super low budget. This probably wasn't you know much at the time. No, this was like a very, you know, I guess middle of the ground movie. You know it. It did this well was, at the box office. It wasn't like a blockbuster or anything, but it did well. And no, critics, it's not, it's not Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, I mean, but fair. I well, this was like the this is the era though of the and I'll use the phrase erotic thriller. I think this there's more thriller than it is erotic. Oh, there's you definitely know, there's, moments though. There's a sexual there element are. to it for sure. Yeah, there's there's nudity and there's yeah there's some questionable dated lgbtq stuff of course as you get with a lot of 90s movies but this is like the era of uh your basic instinct i think comes out the same year and that's like basic instinct is like almost softcore porn in some ways so that's a little different but like the erotic thriller was like huge in the early 90s and then so I, i i felt like this was a movie i had i always knew about that i knew the title I, I felt like this had to have been successful just because the fact that I knew about it, you know, Howard Shore does the music like he's he's not doing direct to video stuff to my knowledge. And then um, what is it? Oh, it was, it's also mentioned in a Jay-Z song. Yeah. From and the I Blueprint mean, even 3, thinking of, I don't remember which song it is. Even but. thinking about the title, going back to what you were saying about the, the time of it, you know, single white female, the whole using of the internet even to post the, you know, that's so like mm-hmm. cutting edge, you know, the even SWF, the, you know, the acronym for it is, you know, new internet lingo too. I mean, yes. these in newspapers, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, this this caught on with Reddit, if you will, like the 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 someone thirty f yeah. or whatever. When you, you used know, to go onto chat rooms here. as a kid, the whole AFK or what was it? No, not AFK. What was it? A what? ASL that? No, no, ASL age sex language. Whenever you'd go in or location, whenever you'd go into a chat room. Oh. The internet creepos would be like, how old are you? What, like, are you a boy or a girl? Where are you from? And of course, we always lie and say we're older. Terrible, terrible time to grow up on the internet. But anyway. Yeah. I do not have that experience, but I know what you're talking about. All right. Where were we at? Okay. So Hedy is moving in. Hedy is entrenching herself life very, very quickly. 
you know, they have their cute little bonding montage of them, you know, moving furniture and ordering Chinese food, you know, exactly what you're supposed to do with your roommate, all the cute little stuff. And I guess Ali then has, it jumps again to Ali's career, uh, which explains a little bit more about, I guess, how she's in the apartment. I guess she's a cutting mm-hmm. edge software engineer. Is that like... Do you get that vibe? Is she the engineer or is she the one just selling it? Yeah, this it, also confused it me. It was confusing because at one point they referred to it as marketing software as well. So that made me kind of think she's just selling it, but I'm not really sure. I don't know 90s computers. I'm sorry. This is, although I do like, well, the character's awful, but I like that uh, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day is the guy that hires her or whatever. Or is that her boss? Like, um, the yeah, role he's exactly? so he she has a meeting with him and I guess he owns this yeah. fashion house, I think, which, you know, looking at him, you don't think that's a man that works in fashion because yeah. <laughs> he's looked the same. <laughs> that was my thought <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes Stephen Tobolowski does not scream and the thing is he looks the same me. always <laughs> he screams what what is he he's in he's insurance salesman in Groundhog Day that's like that should and be his job and everything and he looks the same in right? that movie although he's a clan he's a clan clan leader in uh, Mississippi burning so I have seen him branch out a bit anyway we're supposed to believe that this man owns a fashion house <laughs> sure so he seems all excited. Yay. Like, look at this great, you know, piece of software or whatever it is. And then we find out that he's done creepy research on her, which, again, I don't know how. I don't know how or why. But I guess we find out this is why she has the nice apartment because she was possibly living there before with a business partner. And it sounds like she got the rent control department, which yeah. is, I guess, why they can afford it because we love rent control especially in a city like New York. <laughs> when when it happens, sure. Hey, listen, I mean, if you can pass that stuff down to your family, like, that's that's true generational wealth is a rent control department. <laughs> I'm just thinking of generational wealth. We're talking about a movie with Bridget Fonda in it. Yeah, that's generational <laughs> Generational wealth, wealth sure. Nepo babies. What yeah. Up? Can't escape it. It's capitalism for you. Yeah, so he gaslights her into a low price for her business, but, you know, she sees this as a great opportunity. Cool. Again, not totally relevant to the rest of the story, but other than, I think, as a, you know, here's another creep that is infiltrating this poor young woman's life. For sure, and it comes back later, obviously, but am I mistaken in saying this is, like, her first big sale or something? I felt like... yes. I yeah. got that impression whether the film directly said it or not. I can't remember. No, it, he does directly say it. So that's part of oh, the yeah, reason that okay. he lowballs her is because yes. he knows that she he, does not have the contacts in the business. Right. And she even says to Hetty at one point that she's just doing it for the exposure. She doesn't. She knows that she's not making much money from it, but she's doing mm-hmm. it because she's hoping word of mouth will help with the business. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, the whole okay. reason that she's even tolerating this man's, mm-hmm. you know, being... Well, great. and he did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Oh, like, yeah, you know, that really, that works on anyone. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's what does it. So we go back. Guy has been a creep. She is chatting with Hetty about it. And I guess the whole thing about Hetty is she's trying to get Allie to like her because she doesn't seem to have any friends you know the whole thing about Allie at the beginning is she or doesn't have any job, friends right? no she Hedy... works at a bookstore 
She books oh, she does? At a okay. I, I completely yeah. missed that. Okay. She it's, just seems to hang out all day. That's what I thought too, but at one point she leaves the apartment and is in a bookstore and someone asks oh. where the autobiographies are and she goes, up at the front. Okay. And I was like, oh, she does work. She just doesn't work very hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> or she just goes to the you bookstore know, a lot and knows where everything is. That would be me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I, that I can not? relate to. Right? So she's entrenching herself in this poor girl's life. And I guess, you know, it seems to be working because two lonely gals. And then this was my like red flag in the movie was when she buys the puppy. And listen, don't get me wrong. I love a puppy. I wouldn't, I would never be the roommate that was like, no, we can't have a puppy, obviously, uh, because my dog was barking during this earlier. So (laughs) I clearly love the dogs. But But a heads up is appreciated. A heads up is definitely well, appreciated. And also, uh, also we haven't we haven't said, but the whole thing, Allie said something about like she can't let anyone know that she's staying there or something because she's not on the lease, I guess. That's because it's rent controlled. Yes. That's exactly why. But yeah. I was going to say she hasn't even seen the lease. She doesn't even know if animals are welcome in the building. Like that's a huge Ugh. thing. A lot of buildings just don't allow pets like. Is it not like that? Like in, I mean, at least where I live, you can have that on the lease, but it's not legally binding. You can't prevent anyone from really? having a pet. Okay, here. interesting. You can say it on the lease, but if you signed a lease that said that, and then you decided to get a cat, and the landlord was like, "I'm going to evict you now," they legally have no right. Okay, to do that's that. that sounds like a Canadian thing, though. But okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we are very fast and loose with with some of our stuff, but yeah, we get a dog. But my favorite thing about the dog, and I think. A big indicator on what Hetty is going to be like is this dog wants nothing to do with this woman. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, like, animals can sense vibes. The dog does not like Hetty's vibes. The dog does not want to cuddle with her, Mm -hmm. like, nothing. But, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's the classic thing in movies, right, where dogs are always the first to sense something supernatural in any kind of, like, horror movie or whatever. And then, supposedly, like, a dog, you know, they react to you, react poorly to you when they meet you it means something's up with that person in my experience not really tr- well i shouldn't say well i'm just thinking like when i was in junior high i invited my best friend over who was a great guy and my dog did nothing but bark at him the entire night are you still friends with this guy no but that's not because of the dog <laughs> i know but i was gonna like say that. maybe he's not a good guy now and the dog was just like ahead of well, the curve on him no but, well i was gonna say my my the dog the next day my dog ate his toothbrush <laughs> and then from then on he loved the guy oh that's all it took so i don't know what that was i think my my friend had it like a pet bird and i think he probably smelled the bird or something and he had a weird reaction but yeah they were like best buds once he ate his toothbrush and you know oh, there you go Dental hygiene bonded them. I love that. Well, he's also discouraging dental hygiene because he can no longer brush his teeth after my dog got to it, but whatever. I always get nervous when I see a dog in a movie and it's like a plot, a central plot point because I'm like, yeah. oh no, what is going to happen to you? Like, are you going to be okay? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're 100% right. And I knew broadly what this movie was about. And yet somehow... I wasn't alerted when the dog showed up. I, I don't know. I was just distracted by the cuteness or something. That's I, I don't fair. Know what it you, was. Know, you know, there's the whole website, Does the Dog Die? You know about that website? Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. that's That website is a good friend of mine when I'm watching movies. And okay. I, I'm not even going to lie. I've pulled out my phone in the theater before and had to look it up just to prepare myself. But anyway. Interesting. Okay. Yes. So we get Buddy. You know, Hetty does not bond with the dog, but continues to bond with Allie. 
And again, things are moving so quickly, and Hetty is erasing voicemails and stuff, trying to keep... Oh my goodness, what's his name? I just know him as uh, Stephen Stephen Weber. Weber's the actor. Stephen Weber's character. I don't remember character. the character's name either. She's just deleting his voicemails, you know, trying to keep them apart. And then it feels like two days later, my guy shows up, is cuddling the dog, and, you mm-hmm. know, Allie and him are suddenly in, you know reconciliation yeah this was weird how quickly this happened going back to your point about the timeline just almost just moving too fast like you know early on she kicks them out and they if not outright break up they at least need to take a break from each other but then about 20 minutes later it's kind of just like their boyfriend and girlfriend again yeah in many respects yeah if not fiance well, yeah, she she basically welcomes him immediately back in. I don't know if it was seeing him with the dog. I mean, yeah, super cute. But this man still slept with his ex-wife. But I feel like this is mm-hmm. this is the moment when Hetty cracks, is that day when he comes over. Because I think, you know, Probably. when she's first there in the interview, she even says to him or to, to Ali about, oh, is it, are you for sure broken up? Or, you know, are you going to get back together? Yeah. That was one of her, pl- like, points when she was applying to the apartment. Yeah, because her thing is she doesn't want to be left, basically. And we get more yeah. of that later and where we see where that comes from. But that is her big concern is that if they get back together, she's just going to get kicked out. Although they do kind of get back together and they still don't kick her out. So yeah, whatever. exactly. So anyway, they're obviously getting back together. And they're doing what I think is the right thing if you have a roommate and, you know, you have a partner and you want to move in with your partner. You don't kick the roommate out, even though she's not on the lease. They go and look at other gorgeous apartments in New York, which, again, I was distracted <laughs> by the beautiful apartments and wondering how much they could possibly be paying for it. Because at one point they complain about a beautiful one and are like, oh, it's half the space for twice the price. And I'm like, that apartment is still massive. I think you should take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, all, all through this, there's the the random guy upstairs, her random only other friend upstairs, Grant, who I guess, you know, he we run into him at the very beginning when they first break up because she, you know, goes to him, but he's been creeping at the yeah. at the vent. He's the gay he's the gay the best gay, friend. S- uh, actor best friend which is again yeah actor who i was i mean i i it turns out i don't think i've ever seen this actor in anything but when he first showed up i'm like oh that's what stanley tucci looked like with hair i just thought it was a young stanley tucci i was like so confident that it was stanley, <laughs> I don't think tucci. stanley tucci ever had that <laughs> and, much hair that man had a lot of hair yeah that's that's probably the problem yeah but still it looks you know the same I don't know if it's facial structure or same eyes. He's a good-looking man. I got a strong, I got a strong Stanley Tucci sense of That's this guy. That's a compliment. But anyway, so we run. She runs into him. He was her only friend previously, and so you know he's a little, also a little like, where have you been? I guess you know all of this time with Hetty, she really has been consuming her. She's not seeing her again. Only one other friend. Right. So. You know, she's she's doing a good job of cutting her out of her circle of two people. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a line segment. It's not even a circle. It's not even a line. I guess, again, like I was saying, Hetty, Hetty seems to crack at this point. So Allie and Steven <laughs> are getting back together. The puppy doesn't like her. You know, what could be worse? Mm-hmm. Allie and 
Stephen, are out looking at apartments. And that is when my worst nightmare happens with dogs in movies. Sure. They get home and isn't the dog dead in an accident, supposedly. So in their gorgeous old apartment that we were talking about, you know, has nothing on the walls. Apparently also has... The windows go very close to the They're ground. They're straight to the ground. They're gorgeous floor to ceiling windows. Yeah. But they yeah. open up. There are no screens. And apparently there are broken bars. And, you know, the dog obviously just yeeted itself Golden out of the window. Him. Yeah, exactly. So poor dog is gonzo. Allie is so upset. She's obviously blaming Hetty. So the rift gets bigger. You know, the thing that Hetty was, I guess, trying to do to bring her closer so that she can console her. That's the only reason I can. Well, I don't think this is how it ends up going for her. But Hetty, because uh, Stephen Weber was working on the window in some capacity. And Uh, she at first is like, oh, you must not have fixed the window. I thought you fixed the window. But then she ultimately ends up taking some degree of responsibility. She says, oh, I must have interrupted you when you were working on the window. So she's like trying to make it seem like it's kind of Stephen Weber's fault. But then also she also admits that it's her fault. So it's just a little weird. Yeah, I don't know how she thought that was Because I, th- I think out. this would have made more sense if she just full on blamed him. Yeah. And said, no, it wasn't my fault. Like, but she doesn't really do that. No, she should. Honestly, if she, she was committed to the bit, you're right. She would have just absolutely blamed him entirely. And then again, we cut to to creepy fashion man. Creepy fashion man. I guess she's installed the software now and it's working and he really likes it. It's great. You know, all of that. He's really impressed by her. I think he talks about what a like accomplished young woman she is. And then doesn't he do the creepy old man thing where he starts feeling her up yeah. and basically blackmails her saying he's not going to pay her. And he's going to warn off future clients. So not only is she not going to be paid at all, but the one thing she was in the deal for, you know, those future clients, she's she's not going to get. But good on her for this, honestly. She fights back, which, you know, I guess we know now she's not going to be And then Bill total. Murray shows up and punches him in the face. Exactly. So <laughs> we have another, I guess... Allie is upset, goes home, Hetty is there, Hetty does the consoling of her again, because this poor girl, again, terrible things just keep happening to this poor woman, I mean. Also, if I I may. Please. I think you kind of undersold that scene, because yes, he's like doing horrible things to her in a business sense, but he also like... Oh, he's totally groping her and feeling her up. Yeah, exactly. I feel like like we buried the lead a bit there. No, no, no. She's absolutely just a creepy perv. So yes, you know, she goes back to Hetty to be like, oh my God, I had this really shitty thing happen to me. Because that's what you do when you're friends with someone, even when your friend is kind of a creep. You know, you want someone to be there for you. So the two of them do mm-hmm. their little hangout thing. And Hetty, Hetty calls this man and threatens him, I guess, in a way to comfort Allie. She takes her to go get a yeah. haircut. Like this is the weird makeover scene where she takes... Uh huh. Allie to get a haircut, but she goes dressed exactly like her and then yeah. gets the exact same haircut. And <laughs> it's. And I, the exact. It's, the haircut is what? It's like. It, would you call this a bob? No, this is not a bob. Like, this well, I is. Do, listen, I don't know female hair. <laughs> I don't know this. Listen, stuff. a bob can be cute. This is like yeah. peak. It's, it's somewhere between a bob <laughs> and like a pixie cut. 
I get yeah again, pixie cuts probably yeah it, it's not it's not the full Dorothy Hamill but it's just very round it's very round but it's also kind of undercut on the sides like it's very 90s it is a very 90s like a lot yeah. of women cannot pull off this look I you know I'm sure there were tons of women in the 90s that probably had this haircut because it was fashionable but lord help them I'm sure it didn't look very good because yeah, it, it barely looks good well. on these two women who are you know arguably very I mean, st- beautiful women yeah so. i mean stanley tucci's hair looks better yeah so absolutely and like <laughs> they didn't hire these girls you know the whole point of bridget fonda's character ali is that she's like hot young professionable fashionable like she's she's cool and the haircut does not yeah. look cool to me but again yeah i'm looking at this from the 2020s so but yes sure. hetty comes down in this crappy haircut and i struggled for the rest of the film where they had the same haircut to genuinely t- tell them apart like they did a really good job casting in that sense because from this point onward yeah. i could not tell who was who for a lot of the movie unless i was you know squinting and turning my head and this was also set up earlier by the the gay best friend Stanley Tucci with hair guy because he stopped Allie and said, oh, I think I saw saw your roommate the other day. I know you said she's shy and she doesn't want to meet people, but I was chasing after her because I thought she was you and I was going to say something. And it turns out it was just someone in your clothes with your haircut. So I guess she probably had like a short wig also. Oh, no, this was this was pre haircut. This so, was pre-haircut. No, no, no. No, but I think I think she had a wig, though, is what I'm saying. Because I think this moment happened earlier in the movie, I, I think. I remember earlier in the movie, she had know. taken her coat and was wearing her backpack. And that was, like, when she had first moved in. Because that was the same okay. scene where he was like, oh, I haven't oh, so, seen so, you in a while. Okay. And she was like, yeah, it's been a lot to move her in. And that was when he said, I think I saw you, but I scared her. Okay, so the no, haircut the haircut hadn't happened yet. She was just then, doing just, the thing okay. that a lot of girls do with their roommates or sisters where you steal their clothes because you like their clothes. We all do that. <laughs> um, anyone that says that they don't is lying to you. Um, you just got to be good about returning it and hope that nobody like your gay upstairs neighbor sees you wearing the other of person's course. clothes and tells them. So... We've got the creepy haircut. We have the matching style now. She's big mad about Allie and Steven being back together. <laughs> and I guess at this point, is Steven's character living with them? or Because he seems to bounce around between the hotel and their apartment. But he's staying at a hotel until I guess they can find a place. Is that right? I think he's a featured guest at their apartment. Okay. I don't think he is there all the time. But he's, you know, he's there frequently. Fair. So I guess they get back home and... I'm, I think this is finally the creepy matching haircut is, you know, the straw that kind of breaks the camel's back. And Allie is now fully creeped out, you know, as she should be. Sure. And that's the night when Hetty goes into the bathroom, um, has a shower, and Allie finally does her creeping around her uh, bedroom in the apartment. And that, I think, is when she finds the shoebox, the shoebox with the secrets. Right? That's when she finds out that she is actually a girl. She finds letters made out to a girl named Ellen, which is apparently Hetty's real name, which is a much more normal name. So that whole story about her being bullied as a child for the name Hetty is not true. And then there's the newspaper clipping, which finally unveils the first creepy scene in the mirror with the girls about how her Mm -hmm. twin... Judy accidentally drowned when they were nine years old. I mean, I guess it kind of gives us a reason why Hetty is 
kind of a creep that has abandonment issues. Like, I can, you know, have some... It's enough motivation for a thriller movie, you know? It's like, I don't know if this would actually make someone snap, but, like, for a movie, it's enough. It's, it's, it's yeah, enough, but it also, sure. I don't know, it made me feel a little bad. Like, oh, that's... Like, for oh, kill her sister, but no, it sounds... Yeah, like, yeah, that, I thought it might go there, yeah, too. Yeah, so did I, which, you know, makes it more like, okay, so she's just crazy, but no, it's just sad childhood trauma from a poor twin sister so like have a moment of oh no this poor girl but no doesn't she then <laughs> go to the sex club and is pretending to <laughs> yeah, be we're not Ali. allowed to have too much sympathy no, for her no 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 <laughs> can't have too much sympathy because now we're at a sex club pretending literally pretending to be ali i think she actually like uses her name at that point and yes, you know, her so. persona for this for this guy so ali of course goes to her gay best friend and she tells him all about this because why wouldn't you this is pretty hot gossip and also scary i would probably not go back to my apartment if i knew this was happening but yeah, hetty is listening stay with the gay best friend or something yeah well i mean she did but hetty well no yeah. she, she went downstairs but hetty is listening because like we were saying this building is old as heck and mm-hmm. the poor guy had to listen to the sex at the beginning and now hetty is listening yeah. to them <laughs> through the <laughs> through the air ducts so ali leaves and Hetty goes upstairs and attacks the gay best friend somehow. Not sure again how she got up there. I guess they had the key, but you know, when when um, well, she we get all these shots of what what does she put in there to like hold up the door? That I don't. What is know. that, or is I that have, just part of the apartment? I don't know because I thought the same thing. I was like, is there something there? But then they got down to their apartment and there was something similar by the door. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's something to prop it open, but I don't think. She- yeah, yeah, it, or it could be like an additional locking mechanism. Maybe I don't, I have no idea, but yeah, maybe that's just an old apartment thing. Yeah. So I guess while Allie is up there. The boyfriend, Stephen's character, returns to the apartment. So he tries to get Allie again to give him a blowjob, you know, to... Wait, no, where am I? That's wrong. No, that's right. I thought that was in his hotel, yeah. Yeah, so Allie... Hetty, but it's it's Hetty that goes to the hotel to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So she's the one that goes to the hotel and she... Keeps the lights off. Yes, exactly. And he is convinced that it's Allie. I don't blame him. It's dark. She's got the hair. She's impersonated her. And he only realizes it at the very end. And he does ask her to stop. But, you know, it's a very, you know. Oh, no. no, Oh, no, stop. You should probably not. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, (laughs) So she, (laughs) I mean, it's still sexual assault, but, you know. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But it, my it, man it, is not. The, he doesn't weird, have the best track record. It's the, it's it's the rare instance of sexual assault, in which the victim is a hundred percent consenting, at least for a time being. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny because I feel like this is also they both of these characters have realized too late that this girl is an absolute looney tune, and you know it took mm-hmm. Allie forever. And I think this is probably the moment when he realizes that she is crazy. Well, yeah, I don't even know if if uh, he really has that much of a reason prior to this to think she's even weird. Well, he doesn't interact there- with her often, and I and I think all of her dis- all of Allie's discussions of how weird Hetty is, I feel like they're all with. Uh, the the gay best friend. They're not really with Stephen Weber. I don't think. At least not that I recall. No, there's not a ton. They're mostly her biggest discussions with him about Hetty are just about oh, you know, I feel bad. We have to like give her the apartment. Like that's 
That mm-hmm. seems to be the extent of how they discuss things. But this is this is the moment when he realizes that she's cuckoo. He or she is basically telling him to leave Ali alone, not really giving any good reasons, just she's mine kind of thing. But obviously he says no, and he says that he's going to be the one that tells Ali what happened in the bedroom. And that is when Hetty loses her marbles for the first time and the stilettos that she bought on one of her bonding trips with Allie. Straight into the eyeball. Was not expecting that. I can't lie. That was a... That was a brutal one. And I didn't think it was going to happen that fast. It was just, you know, she snapped and then he's gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. She did not go to his hotel expecting to kill. Expecting to kill. No, no, no. Yeah. I think it was, again, she went for the weird blackmail and... It ended up as an overcorrection, like, I guess you know, so, yeah. like That's with the dog where it. she was like, oh, like, let me, it'll be his fault that the dog died, but oh, nope, let me take the blame and kind of mess this up and oh, let me make it seem like he cheated again. But then he ad- was going to be, you know, the one that admitted it. He was going to do the good guy thing and tell her the truth. And so now he's dead. Hetty goes back to the apartment. I guess, just leaves the body there. Doesn't do anything. Wears the shoes out. I enjoyed that scene where she's walking out in the shoes. I was like, okay, interesting, bold. Gets home and I guess, you know, is cleaning, is packing, is, you know, tells Allie that she's leaving now. You know, she's made up her mind. She's moving out. It seems at this point, Allie's like, no, no, she's still trying to be the good roommate. Like, no, you don't need to leave. It's fine. Like, take your time. But then she sees the news report Mm -hmm. on TV about how it had like died at the hotel and it was his room and the music does the the thing that music does and oh my god this moment of realization it's <laughs> a great way to describe it the but music it does. does the thing that music does yes yeah well listen i i have no i have no musical vocabulary i'm not judging you but yes <laughs> It got very, you know, suspenseful, and then the crescendo happened, and oh my god, the realization that he is the dead guy. And of course, I mean, I think at this point, Allie is fully creeped out by Hetty, and I think immediately kind of knows that it was her. You know, she goes, she's so horrified by... Well, and then she sees the blood on the heel later on. She's so horrified by it, she goes to the bathroom to throw up, because, like, understandable reaction to someone being murdered. And (laughs) this woman has left the shoes by the bathroom, by the toilet. So while she's on the floor being sick, she sees them and realizes, and the blood is still on them and everything. Mm -hmm. Again, not not a very clean murder there. Like, how do do you think you're not going to get caught for this, is really my question. Well... (laughs) It sort of makes sense later because she doesn't mind if she's caught as long as it's Allie that's caught and not her. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's, again, still, she still tries to do the protect thing, though. When I think she she realizes that Allie knows that she's the one that did the, did the murdering. And so this is when she takes her hostage because she still wants to keep her with her. You know, even mm-hmm. through all of this, the whole point is to have Allie close to her. She doesn't want her to leave. Everyone's going to believe Allie killed Sam, you know, um, Stephen Weber. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I actually, I didn't know. I have it. I have it in my notes. I have it in my notes. Finally, his name is Sam. (laughs) But yes, Stephen Weber. Okay. (laughs) So she, I guess, takes her hostage in Graham's apartment. You know, they go upstairs. Allie realizes that, you know, she's beat up Graham. He's not dead, which is shocking to me. Yeah, 
Well, and also going back to, it's hard to tell how long this takes place. So we eventually see he's like in the bathtub and maybe she thought he was dead or maybe she didn't. I don't know, but he's been knocked out for it's been at least 24 a day, hours, two days, it's, a week. It has to be at least yeah, 24 I, I, I hours. I don't know. And again, like this guy's got bed sores, right? Forensics weren't that bad or, in the 90s, were they? Like, I know they weren't great, but like, no, we had we had no. I mean, it's nothing like the 30s or yeah, yeah. No, it's like they, you know, they would have been on to something at this point. They would be actively investigating this crime. Anyway, so we're in Graham's apartment. Poor Allie is tied up. You know, there's still, and yet she still she knows that the best way to deal with Hetty is to just kind of smile and so sure. You know, she's tied up. Allie goes to leave, I think, trying to book flights or something, because you can't do that online back in the day. You had to go to a travel agent to do those things. So she's trying to book everything. Allie is tied up, and she's trying to attract attention. Again, this girl is a smart, you know, this, this, again, convinces me she's not a big dummy. I mean, maybe dumb in picking her roommates, but, you know, she draws attention to herself in this nice building so that, you know, some little old lady will probably complain about the noise and someone will come and find her. Yeah, it turns the volume all the way up. Yeah, Yeah. and they do, but doesn't Hetty get home in time to catch her? Well, yeah, she gets gets there, like, right when someone is about to, like, unlock the door and he's like oh i'll still have to write you up and she's like that's fine just let me turn the volume down so it's like it's it's they come like that close to discovering her the superintendent he's the superintendent of the building so he has all of the keys you know that's part of why he didn't get in in time because darn these old buildings mm-hmm. and i don't know which key it is on my like silly little cartoonish key ring that right, has 100 right, right. keys on it so we're still stuck hetty is again mad that Allie would even try and do that. She's trying to leave her. It's terrible. Oh my god. And then I think this is when what's his name? The fashion house man. Stanley Tucci. Oh, Stan- oh no, no, no. Ned Ryerson, yeah. Yeah. Ned Ryerson. Steven Tobolowski. <laughs> yes. <laughs> his his name is Meyerson, by the way. It's like similar enough <laughs> to, to Ned Ryerson. <laughs> I noticed that in Wikipedia anyways. I don't know if they ever say his last name in the movie, but his last name is... Mitchell Meyerson. Yeah, Mitchell Meyerson. That's that's Ned Ryerson if I've ever heard it, yeah. Right? So he notices that he's been gypped because his files are being erased and he rushes to find Allie, which... It's just such a, you know, weird thing to do, I guess, in business. Like, oh, no, my files. Let me go to this person's apartment to find them. <laughs> so Well, he, he tries calling first. I mean, they, they, but but no, there's no answer on, like, the five phone calls he has. I, he, listen, he's desperate. I don't know. I don't know. So he winds up there, sees her bound and gagged, tries to help her, which, like, kudos to you, creepy man. Like, you were, you know, feeling her up. A week ago or whatever and now you're trying to free her so so i'm dumb it's well known but when he goes to like untape her unduct tape her and everything he first straddles her and i thought i I thought he was gonna do exactly what he tried to do earlier but no he is but like did he have to get on top of her to do that just visually it was just like listen maybe he echoing of maybe he's a weak man maybe he's a weak man and needed as much like you know <laughs> just but visually it looked like like oh my god what's he doing is he is he doing this now at this time this is his redemption arc it's very short and whatever but you know he had his kind of redemption arc but yeah, yeah Hedy, Hedy, redemption at least 
Hetty sees this, and of course, at this point, she has a gun. She's got a gun now. So uh, she shoots and kills him. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. And so I guess she's realized she's kind of hit the point of no return. She's not getting away with this. They can't They can't escape. She's now shot someone. So she tries to tell Allie to commit suicide with her. She tries to make a suicide pact for drug overdose. But obviously Allie's like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. So this is the point where Hetty, you know, realizes Allie is going to leave and is begging her not to. And, and doesn't Allie say, like, the coldest line, I think, in this entire movie, which is the, I'm not like your sister, Hetty, not anymore, I'm like you now, which I thought was just so cold, like, so mean, you know, we, we only learned about this sister recently, but hey, <laughs> I'm gonna use your sister's death against you. Mm-hmm. Perfect timing by Stanley Tucci, wakes up, <laughs> gains consciousness at exactly the right moment after being out for, like you said, like, a day, two days, a week, who knows? He is all of a sudden awake and able to help Allie. <laughs> but of course, Hetty, you know, as these superhuman rage going through her, just desperate rage to cling to Allie and attacks Graham <laughs> in his poor weakened state. And Hetty shoots Allie as they're fighting in the shoulder. Again, she goes to now strangle Allie, which I think is strange after all of the work she put in to keep her with her. She's now you know, seemingly strangled her to death. And she drags her. This is all happening in the basement, too. We've made it down to the basement at this point because Allie has run away. Which has which has a full incinerator in there. I, I, That's probably a thing in, like, old buildings, right? I mean, yeah. I've never lived in an apartment with that. Perhaps. I don't know. I don't even have the laundry in the basement next to the incinerator. That's just, you know, amenities. So Hetty is now trying to drag poor strangled Allie to the incinerator. Allie recovers. She's running now again. Hetty is playing the weirdest game of hide and seek at this point. I think at this point, Allie is up. She's found her way into the, again, you know, after being strangled, she's found her way into the, what are they, the ducks? The ducks that are big enough to fit a grown woman in them? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, this building was the same architect as the skyscraper in Die Hard. Yeah, exactly. Ducks, yeah. clearly big enough for a grown-ass person to fit through with hey. ease. And I'll give the ducks in Die Hard a reason to be clean. Like, I understand why they're clean. You know, they haven't been used. <laughs> this building is like 100 years old and its ducks yeah. aren't disgusting. There's a rat in it. Yeah. Well, There's okay. literally a rat. There's a rat, but they're not like caked in dust and they're huge. No, I know. So. I know. <laughs> anyway, so she's up there. Hetty is screaming at her. She, you know, is trying to get her to come out. I think she realized where she is at some point this again it feels like it feels like a really bad escape room or like clown room all of a sudden there's you know there's the mirror inside the closet she's screaming for Allie to come out there's the the mirror has the reflection she thinks Allie is in there she sees herself you know and then all of a sudden Allie stabs her with a screwdriver and then it's over and then Hetty, Hetty is just dead Allie has won in the most like I don't know strangest anticlimactic fight I think well that reminds me, I read, this is just on Wikipedia, but this film supposedly, um, the ending was reshot because it was, when it was first released or first screened, people didn't like the ending. So I'm wondering, how do you think this movie ended? Did it just end with her dying kind of on that elevator and just covered in the in the blanket or whatever? Or do you think just the ending was just a little different and it was still kind of more or less the same outcome? Is it that I ending that was changed? I don't have the answer to changed? this. I'm just curious. 
because then there's that well, yeah, weird, the, there's the weird epilogue the too. Ending. No, this yeah. is just the end of like Hetty's life. Then there's the like again really weird epilogue where Ali is just talking about like oh yeah like I'm good now like I forgive her for murdering my fiance and but like what what was there a police investigation like what happened what happened to to Hetty's family and all of that. And then it does the weird pan to the split photo of the two of them, of, like, half Allie's yeah. face and half Hetty's face, and it felt very, like, I'm trying to do a psycho thing where someone else's face is superimposed, you know, when he becomes his mother. It reminded me of that. But yeah. Oh, it sure, sure. Yeah. Made it weird for me. I'm like, is Allie the one that's alive? Like, she is, right? Like, at the end there, I was confused, because I know that Hetty dyed her hair back at the end, but... I feel like the end of the movie was saying, obviously, Allie's the victorious one. She's the survivor. But she also, like, had a lot, seemed to have a lot of sympathy for Hetty after she died. And she almost seemed to, like, dig deeper and, like, learn more about her. And I just, I don't know why. That's kind of the impression I got. And she she kind of recognizes it's the survivor's that, guilt. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that like, could have been her in other circumstances or something. I didn't think it worked that well, but I think they were doing something along those lines. Well, I hope I hope it's not the same survivor's guilt that maybe that's what Hetty had all along when her sister died. Like, is that is that the weird... The, the yeah, almost like it's setting up for, like, something... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think the ending was all that effective, quite frankly. It wasn't very satisfying, I can't lie. After all of the, like, all of the stuff that Hetty dished out, and that was just how it ended with, oh, yeah, I feel bad for her. Like, I can understand. <laughs> just, it's not satisfying. It's not a satisfying ending. Or perhaps just for me, it's not a satisfying ending, but... Well, for both of us, then. You know, great movie overall. <laughs> Stanley Tucci lookalike, you know, whatever, made it... He, he survived at the end, too, right? Stanley Tucci's lookalike... He made it to the well, end, didn't he, he? Well, he, 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 yeah, he, he revives himself enough to kind of fight her. She, and then as Allie escapes, she's like, stay, stay inside. Right. So, yeah, okay. I assume he just okay. survives. Because, again, right? we don't see, we don't, I don't think we see him after ton, that. There's a lot of loose ends here at the end. Like, I, I enjoyed watching it despite the weird timeline and despite the weird, like, again, like you said, there's a lot of. There are weird moments, like, when Allie is trying to, you know, comfort Hetty into... There's a lot of, like, okay, let me just have, like, a little lesbian moment here and kiss you. It's totally weird and gratuitous. Well, yeah, and, and at, the ver- at, the, at the very end, it got, like... So I expected this movie, and I don't know if it was just because, like... You know, I, I said I had heard of this movie before. I expected her to be crazy because she was like a closeted lesbian or something because this is the 90s you can do that in the 90s you can't really do that now obviously for obvious reasons but that's not really what it was and yet it was also kind of implied that that's what she was because wasn't she like kissing her on the elevator when she was like kind of dying and it was just weird i think that was more just weird 90s trying to sexualize things because all of a sudden it was like (laughs) lesbians were hot you know in the 90s and basic instinct the same year exactly but i don't actually think the character was like not to like right look back on anything but i genuinely do think it was just a it was a weird choice by them to express right right but but i but what's what's the difference then between a film that or between a script that makes her a closeted lesbian 
and a, a script that maybe doesn't do that, but we still hint at it in the film in a few instances. Like, I think the effect is all the same. But so, yeah, it was it was weird, and I feel like... I'm not saying I would have liked it more if that was a bigger part of the movie, but if you're <laughs> going to introduce it... If you're going to introduce it, it can't just be, like... You need to kind Two of hint at of the it movie. the entire movie yeah. that she has feelings for Ali versus like the, I didn't I never got when you know when she was trying to have a relationship with Ali I always just assumed it was the sister relationship like when you find out that her yeah, twin I, and, died and I did too yeah that's what you think so like the like lesbian kissing is but you could easily take it in a direction where yeah she kills her boyfriend like you could easily take it in a different direction the movie doesn't but then also like pretends that it does yeah i think i think five seconds of the movie it's just strange i think you would have needed to like change the the sibling loss thing like that story would have need like come up with a new way this this has just occurred to me again i told you the the ending was reshot yeah what if the ending was no you don't understand Allie. i'm in love with you and people didn't like that. I think that, that would have been and then better. They kind of just inserted, th- but they just kind of inserted things with the sister because all the sister stuff is like all you might as well just narrate it. It's not really a big part of the story. It just like comes up here and there. She like reads a newspaper article. Like there's so little of the actual sister stuff for for that being the primary motivation. And yet they her. start the movie with it. Like it's obviously they do, but that but that also could have been a, a an aftershoot. You know? Yeah, that's fair. So I'm, just, ju- I'm just wondering if maybe this movie at one point or another was supposed to be more you know lesbians what's funny? are insane. And maybe they realized whether it was through their own judgment <laughs> or reaction of an audience that, hey, maybe this isn't very good. So I don't know. This is all okay, blind speculation. But as I have much, no idea. As much as I don't like the trope of like, oh, like crazy lesbians, I genuinely sure. think that would have been a better ending. <laughs> I think that I, motivation is better than oh my god I miss my dead sister I'm if you properly to you set as it my up roommate totally if you if you properly set it up I think it could have been better yes but it, it's so. it's all about setup but I didn't feel that the sister stuff was set up that great either so I guess that's really the problem isn't so much the motivation the problem is the setup to the motivation like how much focus there is on it I guess. Now I want to read the novel and see how the novel ends, because now I need to know what that ending could have been. And maybe, maybe it's in writing, it's hinted at better, but obviously that's not what this is for. But, you know, I'm so curious now that you've told me that this ending has been reshot. I need to know what the original No, I'm was. just laughing because I, I, I knew there was a single white female, too. I, I think that's come up on, like, as a recommendation to me on Tubi or something. I'm just now seeing that the full title this was released in 2005 by the way there is the, a the full title is single white female too the psycho the psycho <laughs> i thought it was just single white female too why do we need to make it that blunt and stupid i don't know but yeah don't worry that the single white oh, female too the psycho is not on our list we will not be covering that on this podcast although maybe we should i don't know but it's on my personal list now sure yeah along with the whole stalked <laughs> by my blank uh cinematic universe so, oh no, I've watched all of those already. <laughs> are you sure? There's like dozens of them, but but yeah. So so, what do you think of the movie overall? You said you liked it for the most part. I mean, it was a confusing watch, but I you know I was able to watch it in spite of things. You know, I saw when I initially saw the the movie poster for it, I was like, okay, this is gonna be really hokey, but like I did find myself watching it, so it was it wasn't horrible. <laughs> well, you had to. But I think it. No, I mean. 
<laughs> Listen, I could have I could have probably not. I did that a lot in university, but you know, I would recommend it to people probably. Like I know people that would probably enjoy this movie if they haven't already seen it. I think there could have been like we said, I <laughs> there were some interesting choices and some storylines that I wish were more flushed out, but yeah, overall I, I didn't hate it. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't hate it either. I think overall this is a passable movie. I think I think what really helps it is I think the two lead women Bridget Fonda Jennifer Jason Lee are both really really good I don't know why I wasn't expecting really great performances in this movie but I, I was like really impressed with both of them so yeah I really enjoyed the performances I thought Bridget Fonda was great at showing that vulnerability throughout the film of like even before anything truly like lifetime thriller is happening with her with a roommate it's it i thought it was all like really good even just her stuff with uh with ned ryerson and all that and i thought she was good and then jennifer jason lee i thought was like a good psychopath in that like yeah it was like a good performance but like and you you and i kind of talked about it like she was the good quiet exactly yeah which i think sometimes is scarier than yeah, then Eric Roberts in our next film. Yeah, exactly. It's like the fe- it's female. <laughs> it's more it's subtle. Really, yeah, it's female rage versus male rage. I think. I think this is a perfect. Yeah, like, uh, that's actually a very good point. I think, but yeah, I I thought she was like really good at at times, not for long stretches of times, but at times she was kind of sympathetic, or at least the character was, and I think the performance allowed some sympathy to come through, but then she would. When she needed to, she was capable of going, of dialing everything up to 11, you know, at, at, at the end in the basement and all that stuff. Like, that was all good. But, yeah, I thought both actors were really good. I think those are my favorite aspects of the film. I think questionable motivation or questionable setup for the motivation. I think the film definitely could have been better. But, like... But it was thought, acted really well, and I think that... I think I agree with you. Was. I think that's why I enjoyed it, because the characters were good. The two of them together were good you know really good it was you bought them as friends when they were kind of making it as friends and i think i was uncomfortable with hetty's character because she played her so well not because you know sometimes you're uncomfortable when you're watching a movie because you're like oh this is like just very badly acted no it was the opposite i was uncomfortable because she was the character she was believable as the character and that's why it was so unsettling when she was creepy so i agree with i agree with all that and I guess I don't know how to conclude ultimately, but overall, I just thought this movie was okay. I don't know. There, there was something missing for me, like I, where I didn't love it. Like I wanted to like it more. If it was just on the strengths of those performances, I would have liked it more. I, I, I felt like there was something missing, whether it was the backstory, the motivation. I don't know. It's just, there's, it, this movie just, it was like 80% of the way there, but I like really wanted that last 20% or something. And I'm not sure how to articulate that better than I'm doing right now. But well, and it no, I think what your your points are like, they align with what people seem to think at the time too. you know, earlier, I said, this was, you know, it wasn't a blockbuster, but it did well at the box office. And it wasn't, you know, a critical hit open number two behind unforgiven eventual Academy Award best picture winner. Also, one of my favorite films ever. It's a perfect movie. I love it. Uh, yeah, this is not Unforgiven, but <laughs> that's not a fair. Most movies yeah. are not Unforgiven, so 
but fine. yeah so did did decent at the box office and did decently well when it comes to critics so i think i think what we're saying is we're pretty aligned i did see uh ebert ebert liked this movie yeah i did i read so that review that's something. as well actually yeah. so but yeah i wonder what he'd think about the next one. Oh god yeah yeah <laughs> i don't think he lived to see it unfortunately but yeah I I really I'm curious now because obviously she was the roommate from hell, but I want to know about your roommate from hell and why this person was potentially. Did you say worse at one point? You said worse. Well, or just bad. Worse. Just I mean, bad? listen. No, no deaths occurred. None. <laughs> they didn't murder for you. No murder. He did steal my knife. Um, oh. and I felt very unsafe for a stretch of time. But yeah, so my roommate, whose name I will not utter his name is uh can we give him a fake it's forbidden in this this is like a voldemort thing like uh he who must not be named he needs a name for this if he's he who must he who must not be named just call him kevin kevin we'll call him kevin that's not his name okay so kevin this is mistake number one on my part this is in college i roomed with someone who played lacrosse big time red flag that's your first red flag yeah well, and, and and you might have. I mean, you're you're up in Canada. Canada, it's the national sports. You might have. One there might the be normal sports. people that play lacrosse in Canada, but in America, the people that play lacrosse are rich fucking assholes. They're all named Chad <laughs> Daddy... and Brad and Thad. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. It, it would have been really funny if you named actually my roommate's name in there because, of course, Kevin is not his name. But big time coke fiend. That doesn't uh, we, help. You know, so he was one of two roommates I had. And, and my other roommate and I, we like had an intervention with him. And he got really emotional. And he's like, oh, my God. Yeah, you guys are totally right. I need to clean myself up. The very next day, we caught him doing coke. And it's like, okay. Like, that, that, like I don't know if I talked to him after that. Yeah, let's see. I'm just trying to think of the things. So, again, no one, no one was killed. No one was stabbed in the eye with a stiletto heel. But well, that's just because you guys just didn't have any stiletto heels, probably, right? At one point, he replaced... I don't even know how this worked. But I filled up my water bottle with water when I was going to the gym. I got to the gym, was on the elliptical or the treadmill or something, took a drink of it, and like almost immediately threw up because he filled it with vodka. I don't know when it happened, but I was also on a dry campus, so I could have gotten in a lot of trouble for that. You were on a dry I was campus? Not years old. I was not, well, for anyone who's under 21. Oh, what a wild you, you listen, college Because not everyone's drinking age can be 19, <laughs> Katie. <sighs> but, yeah, let's see. He threw up in my fridge and refused to clean it up. What? Those are some of the big ones. What happened I, with I the have, pocket oh, knife? You said he stole it, but, like, did... Did how, how did you get it back or did you I move? never got it back. I never I never said anything. Again, this was probably in that era when I just stopped talking to him. I oh oh the big one. Oh my god, how am I forgetting? He never once did laundry. And so there was literally an ever growing pile of clothes on the floor that like rose above his bed. It was disgusting. How's that possible? It was how absolutely can you just disgusting. Go without doing laundry. Like, you I have, have a lot of him. clothes, but not that many clothes. Well, yeah, and this isn't a dorm room. Like, who has that much clothes? I don't, he had to have been double dipping, right? Uh, absolutely. Like, but, but there's only so many times one... you can turn things inside out and, like, backwards. And, I know. You know? I know. And then, I mean, it, it, granted, it's this is easier to do as a man than as a woman. Like, that's 
true. Anything clothes related, I'm sure that's true. But there's also the time when he he was about to start an internship the next day at a big company, and then he stayed up all night partying and drinking, and he wet the bed. <gasps> and so I woke up, and the entire dorm room smells like piss, and he woke up late because he had been drunk and he was hungover, and then he just threw on clothes and ran to the subway to didn't go to work. Didn't even shower? Didn't shower, didn't put on clean clothes, I'm sure, because he put on whatever clothes were in that pile, and did not wash the sheets until about f- 12 hours later, probably. So I literally just left the dorm room, and I'm just like, I can't be in here. This smells disgusting. It was awful. I, I actually, it was, a, it was a blind threat because... I'm poor and I didn't have a lawyer, but I threatened my university with legal action in order to let me get out of that dorm dorm room. It was that bad. So, yeah, eventually, like after my fridge had been puked in. So yeah, I think I I think I have a case for having as bad or or in the ballpark. Listen, I I will validate you up until the stiletto. I would say that your roommate was at least. Like on par with Hetty, up until yeah. the stiletto. <laughs> up until well, the actually, stiletto, maybe yeah, the dog. She, I don't know. The, the oh dog yeah, the thing dog. Was that's bad right too. But anyway, dog thing. Oh, and that's that's also uh, there was something. This isn't that similar to a dog, but he got our entire dorm room evac. We had to evacuate because he set the fire alarm off because he took the uh, fire extinguisher and just sprayed it directly at the fire alarm for no reason. And so everyone, everyone had to evacuate, and, and none of us knew what was going on. Men are so strange. When we were allowed to go back in, we got to the room, and I just see that there's a fire extinguisher sitting on his desk, and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that asshole. Honestly, teenagers do the weirdest shit, like, truly. Uh, I just... yeah. Teenagers on coke, even worse. <laughs> on coke and with my knife? Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been so much worse. So, on that note, let's talk about, in some ways, a similar film in Stalked by My Doctor. Same kind of genre. Um, what you what you said earlier, male rage versus female rage. This is, and, and I don't, I mean, the, the crazy person in this film is the male. I'm not necessarily going to chalk this all up to male versus female as to why single white female is a bit more subtle, because I do think this comes down to this is a lifetime TV movie of the week kind of thing. But yeah, Stalked by My Doctor is a 2015 film, which, like I said, as far as I can tell, was on Lifetime Network, which I've always heard about, like, the Lifetime thrillers. And that's what I would have called this movie, even if I didn't know it was made for Lifetime. But this is... A 2015 film directed by Doug Campbell, who has quite a prolific resume that I'll get to, at least in some extent, starring Eric Roberts, literally the most prolific actor who has ever been in terms of just how many, not in terms of quality of work, in terms of how many things he's done. Wait, is that true? He's actually, like, does he does he have a record or something? Well, yes. If you don't know a lot about Eric Roberts, Eric Roberts I mean, is, I know he's... to my knowledge... Julia Roberts. You know, he's Julia Roberts' brother. and Yeah. 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 Okay. And Emma Roberts' dad. I'll throw you a number. I'll give you a number. And this is going to be movies and TV, right? Because I'm just going off of IMDb and I don't have the time to sort things because it is that extensive. Would you oh guess he has over or under 500 credits as an actor? Oh, my God. Okay. Well, 500? 
I want to say it has to be under, but I feel like the reason that number is so high is for sheer shock value. Like you're you're trying to shock right, me. Right, it's over. Oh my god! How what many? about over or under over or under six hundred? Would you guess? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go over again. Okay, you are correct. Over under seven hundred. Oh god, it can't be over seven hundred. It is over seven hundred. Over <laughs> under eight hundred. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, this I'm still I'm going under again. It has to be under 800. IMDb has him as 754 acting credits. 754? It How is, is impossible. insane. And and here's the thing. I'm I'm going to before we get into the movie, I'm going to talk a little bit about Eric Roberts and my kind of perception of him or whatever. He has been nominated for an Oscar, which I'm just seeing now. What would that have been for? For it could what? have been from one of 754 choices, I guess, but <laughs> Actor in a supporting role for Runaway Train, nineteen eighty six. So before Julia it's Roberts been a was even while. Really on the scene, he was. It's, been a it's while, well, it's though. been a while. But here's the thing: I think he is a good actor in, in a way. But Eric Roberts has one of the strangest careers, maybe the strangest, just in terms of like you can look at him. I mean, he's in movies like this. He's in Lifetime thrillers. He's in a bunch of crap. He's in real movies. He's a small role in The Dark Knight. He's like a, uh, what? He's a uh, crime boss guy. Oh, oh! by the way, he has 76 upcoming credits. <laughs> I'm also now That's almost at- funnier than the 754. <laughs> 76? So I, guess, so I guess he's only been in 679 things that have been released. Okay, but have you also looked at what music videos he's been in? Because that's what I'm no, I haven't. now. Um, he is, oh, he is the apple eating pimp in Mr. Brightside. Great music video. He's also in two Mariah Carey music videos as the fiance and the groom. I think I knew that. I think I've seen a music video where he and Mariah Carey are like with each other. I think I don't know which one, but I think I've seen that. Um, and the other two highlights for me on here are Smack That, the Akon Eminem with song. With Eminem? Yeah. Yeah. And Bitch Better Have My Money, the Rihanna, Bitch Better Have My Money. Support. That, you know what, maybe I don't remember the Mariah Carey one, I remember him in that. That's hilarious to me, I'm gonna go watch these music videos after this and look for this man. Yeah, yeah. well, listen, an Eric Roberts rabbit hole is always a good thing, but I wanted to bring up, so he's been in real movies, he's been up for an Oscar, he's been in The Dark Knight, he's been in actual movies that are worth watching. He's also in... Can't wait. For uh, this. this film is a few different titles, but he's in The Great Halloween Puppy Adventure, also known as A Halloween Puppy, in which he voices a puppy. Or no, he plays like someone's father and he his soul is like moved into the puppy. No. And I'm bringing what? this all up. This is this is a listen, this is a no budget. This is the film is directed by David Dakota, who probably means nothing to you, Katie, but friends of the podcast may know that the, oh that's the director of puppet master 3 and dr alien okay he made some good movies in the 80s and 90s in the 2000s he just shot movies in his own house and most of them are like are they all about puppies that speak no but or he's done puppy movies he's done he has a series called 1313 which i don't know what that is but it appears to be a gay thing because david dakota himself is gay and i'm just commenting on like i've seen the posters and they're all just like six shirtless men standing and the point is <laughs> david dakota used to make <laughs> low budget kind of actual horror movies that are worth watching now he's making halloween puppy movies i i can't explain it but but this thing eric roberts is a regular in david dakota movies 
So that's kind of all you need to know. I mean, yes, he's he's okay. done hundreds of other things, literally, but I, I think he just can't say no. I think he just, maybe he just loves acting that much, or he loves people. Do you think people. he owes someone money? Because that's the Nicolas Cage thing, right? We've all heard yeah, but even Nicolas Nick Cage, Cage owes back taxes. Selective. Like... He's selective compared to Eric Roberts, yes. It is, now, that all, might all be true. Maybe he just owes a ton of money. <laughs> Maybe he's being blackmailed. I don't know. I choose to believe that Eric Roberts just loves acting. That's fair. And he'll just, he just wants to act. Like, he like if I were setting up, like, a, a play in Heartland, Wisconsin, and I wanted, <laughs> I just wrote him a letter, like, hey, do you want to appear at the Heartland, Wisconsin Playhouse in this role? And he, he I think he'd say yes. <laughs> maybe it's worth reaching out to him based on this i think you're probably right i i want to take a positive point of view of it also if i may say having seen a halloween puppy and having seen some other movies eric roberts i think no matter the subject <laughs> material i think he gives it his all he doesn't phone it in ever you could say he's over the top in this movie but he he could have phoned it in and he doesn't he he's going for it and that is really the biggest reason why I like Stalked by My Doctor, as dumb as that sounds. I don't want to say this, because I did enjoy the last movie. I think I would recommend this one to people more, because just for, like, it's funny. It's funny, but it's also a good watch, because it's so funny. Well, yeah. Now, you're preaching to the choir here, because I, I am a proud Stalked by My Doctor fan. But I will say, you say it's funny, and I agree with you. There were I wrote down some lines because I thought they were hysterical. And there's some great scenes, but I will say IMDb lists this as, it lists three genres, comedy, horror, and thriller. This is not a comedy. I don't know who put that on there. This is an attempt at a serious thriller. It's just has enough weird things about it that it kind of makes it funny. But this isn't a dark comedy. Can we can we get rid of that IMDb? No, Come on. it's funny, but it was never intended to be a comedy. <laughs> And therefore, I don't think you can call it a comedy. I'm Dr. Beck, head of cardiology. You have to operate immediately, otherwise she will die. Doctor knows what he's doing. Gonna be fine, sweetheart. Hi, Sophie. How are you feeling today? Thank you for saving my life. What was he doing? He was just changing my bandage. Was there a female nurse present when he was doing that? No, should there be? Yeah. I just love you, Dr. Beck. You know, sometimes I get the feeling he's like hitting on you or something. What? So the film opens with Dr. Albert Beck, that is Eric Roberts, the venerable Eric Roberts. He's waiting for his date and he re- receives a phone call. He's at a nice restaurant and his date's not going to show up. So the, so then what does he do? He just angrily drives away and the, the, that's kind of it. We next meet Sophie Green, who's a high school senior. She's hanging out with her friends and her boyfriend, who's, uh, her boyfriend's name is Ryan. He's a soccer player. Sophie discovers that she has gotten into whatever college she applied to. That is like her dream college. She got in. She's so excited. She goes out celebrating with Ryan and her other friends. When they're on their way back home, Ryan refuses to put down his phone, is texting while he's driving, and they get in a car accident. So this is where the movie really begins, because we get Sophie being brought into the ER, and we get Dr. Albert Beck to handle her. And I think we, we see him a few times in his office where he's just chilling on, like, Match.com or, what you know, it's some fake version of a, of a dating website, but he seems to always be on the dating websites, which is great. 
Can I just add one anecdote? Because, like, I work at a hospital, and I don't work in health care at the hospital. One of the first things, I started working there a little over four years ago. One of the first things people told me were, don't date the doctors. Like, I heard that from so many people. They said, (laughs) do not date date the doctors. (laughs) So... It might not just Listen. be him. This actually might be more common. There might be some truth okay. in this story. So Actually, there is, you know, not to say that there's truth to this story necessarily. I will say there is another film that I've seen that kind of has this exact same plot or the main character is a very, very similar character. He's a doctor who saves someone's life and then basically thinks he's entitled to her because he saved his li- her life. And it's a great movie like legitimately like this is a great movie but it's you know it's stupid schlock and it's fun but that movie i'll talk about later so dr beck operates on sophie who's got like a couple of broken ribs and you know there's some medical lingo they talk about the issues there's some problem with her heart i don't really know he also asks he asks her a few questions he's like do you have any heart conditions did you ever pass out and then he also asks her do you like sushi because he (laughs) promises to take her to sushi when she's done and all fully healed and and you know this is like a we 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 already know he's a little creepy but he does throw this in there as like okay this could be like something that a doctor says kind of like oh absolutely before surgery you want your patient to be comfortable yeah maybe this is the only instance i was going to say there's other instances in the movie i'm not sure about that but where some of his creepiness is almost passable in yeah, some but it ways. goes downhill so quick. Like, Yes, yeah, I think this might be the only instance where it's actually excusable. <laughs> so Mr. and Mrs. Green show up. Mrs. Green is not, in fact, played by Betsy Brandt from Breaking Bad, even though from at least one angle, she looks exactly <laughs> like her. Did you notice I that? I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I, I thought I was so certain that was her. I was so certain that was what? What's her name on that show? The, she's the sister-in-law. Do you remember? No, I don't. I never finished yeah, Breaking Bad. Please don't judge okay. me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not listening. No, I'm not judging. I like stalked by my doctor. I'm not judging anyone for anything here. <laughs> so uh, Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Green show up. They obviously hear that it was Ryan texting. And so Mr. Green is really pissed at him. He actually goes and sees Ryan as Sophie's being taken into surgery. And he takes Ryan's phone and just puts it in like a bio waste thing. Which later on, she's wondering why Ryan never texted her. And then he's like, oh, well, your dad threw my phone in the bio waste. Like, couldn't he have told the nurse that someone put his phone in there? Like, I think he could have gotten the phone back. I don't know. Yeah, it felt very petty dad move. Again, just like over the top. Like, that's a lifetime embellishment. The dad sucks in this movie. He is so awful. I think I hated him more than I hated Eric Robertson's character because maybe well Eric Roberts has I mean say what you will about the character but at least the actor he's like charismatic and there's like something kind of likable about the actor that you can kind of see in the character even when the character is a massive creep the dad is just a butt he yeah. just sucks <laughs> he's terrible because he's he's the one who's like, oh, well, you know, even when they're bringing to his attention all the creepy things that the doctor does, it's like, well, yeah, but he's a great doctor. Boys will be boys. He's that character. And it's obnoxious. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. terrible. So Sophie nearly dies on the operating table, but Dr. Beck is able to do something and she pulls through. So she's all good. She's still in the hospital now. She can't leave for a while. But Eric Roberts kisses her while she's asleep at one point which isn't the first red flag, but it's probably the biggest one, at least so far. 
See, what maybe my favorite scene is when Dr. Beck goes out on a date with some 38-year-old woman, which which already... But he goes on the date with her, and things seem to be going well. They apparently met for coffee earlier. They're at dinner now. And then suddenly he starts talking to her about retiring, and, and she can move in with him. They'll move to Baja, California, because he's been waiting to retire. And then he's like, hey, will you bear my children? And this is all like a first date, and it's like insane. And she reacts to it as if it's insane, of course. And then this is a wonderful, wonderful moment where he flips out at her, calls her a fat-ass bitch at one point. That, I think, is my favorite line in the movie. That's my second favorite line in the movie. We'll get to my favorite one, but it's it's insane, <laughs> my favorite line. But yes, so... um. Dr. Beck goes back in to meet with Sophie. He shares some good news with her that I guess they've got the CAT scans are back and everything looks good. There is like a minor fear that something could happen to her heart later on, which is used as an excuse for why they can't change doctors. But right now it's all good news. And she seems obviously super happy. She's happy to be alive. And she's happy to allow him to rub ointment on her on her scar she's got like a scar it's described as under her tit at one point which it's not i mean it's 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 on the belly yes, in the text message yes <laughs> in the text message it's under her tit That's what my girlfriend has an ugly scar under her tit. <laughs> i love that but yeah but yeah it, uh, it's, it's it's just on the belly it's like a perfectly normal like non-intrusive also, absolutely place not where that scar would be too like it's just anyway but yes it wouldn't be in that condition either like the fact that this is a follow-up appointment and she's just got this cute little scar like no this isn't the follow-up point appointment yet she still hasn't left the hospital oh okay all right because there is a follow-up appointment but yeah so he like seductively rubs ointment on it and then covers it back up with a bandage and after he leaves the mom the mom's the first to notice anything weird is going on and she's like wait what was going on and Sophie's like, oh, well, she just, he just rubbed some ointment on my scar. And, she, and she's like, well, was was a female nurse present? She's like, no, should there have been? And she's like, yeah. So, so yeah, the mom has some doubts or some questions about this guy's professionalism, which, yeah, I, I don't think Eric Roberts knows how to be a doctor. He's too busy. He's too busy acting. You you don't learn doctor skills when you're in 700 movies. He's not movies. a method actor. <laughs> yeah, no. He definitely can't take the time to be a method actor, that's for sure. Also, I think there's a, I don't want to say decent chance, there is a chance that his house in this movie is his house in real life. I just have a feeling that Eric Roberts lives in a house like that in, like, the Hollywood Hills, right? Wouldn't that kind of make sense? You didn't read something about it? You just you just get the vibes that that's his I house? just get the... You know what? It's because I've seen all those David Dakota movies that are shot in David Dakota's house, which is in that kind of part of the Hollywood Hills that look like that. I just figure Eric Roberts is probably his neighbor. That's that's kind of what I'm going off of. It's it's all vibes for me. There's no <laughs> there's no evidence to suggest it. Just It's just how I feel. <laughs> Eventually, Sophie is released, and they schedule a follow-up appointment for, like, next week. Also, forgive me for not saying any of the actors' names other than Eric Roberts, but this is the Eric Roberts show. I don't know who any of these people are. It's also are. a Lifetime movie. Like, let's let's be for real. <laughs> I'm looking at their names. I don't know any of these people. Carson Boatman plays Ryan, which is fun, because that's just a fun name. But yeah, ex- exactly. This is, this is a Lifetime movie. I don't know who these people are. This is Step Below Hallmark. But we got Eric Roberts, and that's all that matters. A step below Hallmark. Interesting. Yeah, I think probably. I don't know. Um, She's also, obviously, Sophie's upset that Ryan hasn't contacted her. 
So she goes and visits Ryan and they have a talk and Ryan's dealing mostly with his guilt. Like he's like, well, how could you forgive me? Your dad's pissed at me and I don't blame him. He's right. This is all my fault. You know, they're they're obviously not on good terms yet. So Mr. Carson Boatman is uh, not getting any tonight, although he probably has the opportunity to. He just doesn't want to take it. We're also talking about what, like 17 year olds? They're 17. These are children. They're probably 18 because they've gotten accepted to college. But yes, I I see what you mean. I I, I understand. (laughs) I understand your acknowledgement. Listen, if she's old enough, if she's old enough to in her sleep make out with Eric Roberts, she's old enough for me to make these comments. She's got to be at least 18. Yes. She's also got to be at least legal age. Well, yeah, the actors themselves, obviously, but like, no, I mean. Well, no, but also the character. Yeah. So uh, then uh, Dr. Beck at one point or another starts having these like romantic like dreams or like like he imagines Sophie arriving at his mansion and like I don't remember if they kiss in this scene but like it's it's clear that this is all in his mind but he starts doing these things and and it's weird and it's creepy and they don't announce themselves as dreams so there's like a the first time you see this there might be like five seconds where you're like oh my god what the hell's going on but then it's like oh okay however that all that having been said the note that sophie writes him and gives him on her follow-up appointment is an absolutely insane thing to write totally so she gives him a teddy bear which is and then the letter at first it's like thank you for saving my life you know obviously like i couldn't have done this without you or whatever she says and then she's like you both literally and figuratively have my heart and it's like ooh, i don't think i would have said that (laughs) and then she said i love you dr beck or something at first i thought like okay maybe maybe some of this is in the note and some of it is like his imagination the way her showing up to his mansion is but no she shows the note to the dad or he does, excuse me, not, not she. He shows the note to the dad, and that's like his, that's his get-out-of-jail-free card when they eventually talk, when she talks to the parents about how creepy he is to her. Yeah, He's it's like, all no, in no, her head. It's all in her mind, yeah. yeah. But yeah, an insane note to write. Then uh, Mom is still concerned that Dr. Beck is hitting on her. She says something like, next time you see him, don't dress like this, which, was she dressed? inappropriately or slutty in this no she wasn't yeah <laughs> i mean i think i think it was, it was like a short sleeve shirt like, is what it yeah, was it was a v-neck it was a yeah. v-neck t-shirt or something but like i will say kudos to mom for the mom instincts being on point because like like you said dad is completely oblivious and it's like painful to watch and like the mom is the most like the mom is a realistic mom because she is immediately like nah like this guy is a creep there's something wrong i don't like this and she like takes steps to be like okay we're gonna fix this situation immediately you know there's at no point with the mom is there ever any like doubt in what's going on she is on top of it right off the bat like ahead of everyone else yeah you're absolutely right i mean she notices anything's wrong before sophie does sophie does it take her too long to notice anything's off no i think it probably I does don't... You I think mean, it's appropriate? maybe a little bit. No, I think I think she, it takes her a while to notice. But again, I'm going back to the fact that she's 18, and this is a grown yes, yeah, the na- naivete. And I yeah. just don't think you know how to deal with situations like that when you are that young. Like you, that's, again, you're that's still a child. True. You don't know the situation. That's probably so. true. Like even if she kind of suspected it, like a little bit in your head, she might not even vocalize it because she wasn't. Yeah, th- that's probably fair. Yeah, we have to remember we're not dealing with an adult. 
to adults, you know? It's not an sure. adult patient being stalked by their adult doctor. Like, this is a, she's a kid. Yeah. She is right. a kid. Yeah, it's, so. Although there probably is a stalk by my doctor where he does stalk an adult. There but. are. Don't worry. <laughs> there are. One of them is actually much older. One of them is, like, outside oh. of his... Yeah. She's, Interesting. like, a, like a, a grown-up. Okay. So. so this is as good a time as any... To talk a little bit about the stalked by my doctor cinematic universe or whatever it's yes. uh, what, so so it sounds like I, I wasn't expecting this but it sounds like you did the research here but I will say I, mean, I wouldn't say research I I literally was just like Amazon was like would you like to watch the other <laughs> movies in this series and I went absolutely I would sure but uh, yeah so um, I, I'll I'll first talk about how I stumbled upon this film. I'm on Letterboxd. I know it's a cell phone. But one day, someone I followed, just a review of this popped up. And I had, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know anything about it. I saw it. I recognized Eric Roberts on the poster. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's an Eric Roberts movie. That means absolutely nothing. Because it could be the quality of the Dark Knight. Or it could be a Halloween puppy, you know. But the review was like, I love Doug Campbell. And then it was talking about like all how crazy Doug Campbell movies are. And I'm like, wait, who is Doug Campbell? What is this movie? And he refers to it as the Wittendale Cinematic Universe. Wittendale is the town. No, it's not the town. It's They're just in LA, I think. But Wittendale is the it's college like that she gets universe? into. like made up universe? Oh, okay, okay. So, so I think all of these Doug Campbell movies appear to be set in Wittendale. But yeah, let me just... the, the, the So... So just the titles of the Doug Campbell movies are exciting because there's a lot of stalked by blank. There's a lot of like my daughter's ransom. They're, they're all, as far as I can tell, they're like all TV movies. Vanished in Yosemite is a recent one he did. Um, they're, they're, they all like have more or less the same title. Um, but yes, I do know there's a stalked by my doctor too. Patience or Revenge, I believe is the title of it. I think yes. there's at least three... Stalked by my doctor. There's doctors. five of them, I think. Okay, all with Eric Roberts. They're all him. <laughs> okay, wonderful. He just yeah, keeps coming back somehow. I just realized I've seen another movie this guy did. This guy direct directed Zapped again, the sequel to the 1980s uh, sex comedy Zapped. So it's, it's like a second directorial effort. So I've seen an actual movie this guy did in addition to some of his made-for-TV crap. But yeah. I'm interested in seeing more Doug Campbell movies. I'm just looking. It looks like the 2013-14 range is really when he came into his own as a director of these kind of lifetime thrillers. 2015, for instance, not only did he make Stalked by My Doctor, he also made Stalked by My Neighbor. And in 2016... Did he also do Stalked by My Mother? Is that him too? That's in 2016, the same year as Stalked (laughs) by My Doctor, The Return. He also has The Stalker Club. He's big on stalking. These films all have like the same title, basically, and they all look incredible. Like if any of them are up to the quality, Deadly Cheer Mom, what the hell is that? But yeah, if, if any of these are up to the quality and the standards that I have now having seen uh, Stalked by My Doctor, I, I'm going to be very excited. I also appreciate the consistency of the rating across the board. We've got a solid oh, yeah. like five Four point something, something yeah. across the board for all of these movies. Back to the plot of Stalked by My Doctor, another masterpiece. So the film gets a little repetitive, I guess, with with him doing things. But then it gets weird, because now he literally starts stalking her. He parks outside their home. (laughs) And when when, uh, Sophie leaves, he follows her 
to like uh, a food court. It's her yeah, and her the friend. Mall. Yeah, the mall. And I don't remember her friend's name, but he he basically sets it up so he pretends to run into them, and then he invites himself over to sit sit with them. And this is when Sophie first notices something's off because he like touches her hand and she pulls away. But he basically invites her to see a movie with him. And the mom's like, we need to get a new doctor. And this is when the dad's like, oh, boys will be boys. He's the most brilliant surgeon in in the West Coast. In case anything were to flare up, we would need to talk to him. Like, may- maybe he's a little creepy, but who cares, basically, is that's the dad's point of view. Yeah, the dad is absolutely 100% in this doctor's corner. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, also, I I, I'm, I'm, I'm skipping this, but after he gets rejected on his movie date, he we see him going into the alleyway where he just freaks out and tosses around garbage, and that was hilarious to me. I love his little temper tantrums. Yes, his so temper much. tantrums are wonderful. The best one is like, with if, the doll later. If it's in real life, I would be terrified if a person did that, but there's yeah. something so funny about watching it on screen. Like, yeah, and... <laughs> absolutely yeah so he stalks them again and then at one point when he notices that sophie and her mom are leaving the house then he sneaks in and (laughs) this is so stupid but he starts smelling all the stuff in her room he smells her clothes he smells her dolls is when he notices that she's into dolls and then he goes in her bed and he falls asleep (laughs) Oh, the nap, the nap. And he takes a nap (gasps) and he starts imagining he has a dream or whatever of Sophie in lingerie, like kissing him. And then he he oversleeps and he is still in her bed when they come back home. But then Ryan comes and visits. Ryan is finally apologizing for how he's treated her. And so he's hiding in the ensuite bathroom as he watches the two of them talking. So Ryan gives her a ring. It's like her grandmother, his grandmother's ring or something. (laughs) dr beck is able to get out of the house before anyone notices him then he does he decides to do some digging on ryan he's jealous he wants sophie to break up with ryan because they were kind of about to have sex in that scene like they they were like there might have been something about to happen there but so he finds out when ryan's next appointment is and then he just kind of shows up says hi he steals ryan's phone and this is the famous text scene he texts (laughs) ryan's best friend and he says oh my girlfriend has a scar beneath her tit i'm dating the bride of frankenstein or something like that so he sends that text so sophie and ryan you know sophie confronts ryan about that they more or less break up but ryan obviously insists he didn't do it then he finds out when the text message was sent and you know he so he knows it was dr beck he confronts dr beck at his mansion and and if we haven't said he broke his leg so he's got like a not a, uh, he's got a crutch, but it's like just just one crutch though, right? He's clearly injured. Yeah, like, he's injured. So. He's clearly injured in the scene. But yeah, so yeah. he confronts Dr. Beck and then he, you know, Dr. Beck is being an asshole. So he tries to attack him with the crutch. Dr. Beck just kind of casually moves away and he falls down. And then he like continues to injure his leg because he's a doctor. He knows where it hurts. So he's going to take advantage of that. Then he takes the crutch and just th- throws it off in the distance. And says, listen, this is assault with a deadly weapon. Get out of here or I'll call the cops. So, <laughs> but yeah, if I were it's Ryan. ridiculous. Oh, it's wonderful. If I were Ryan in this scenario, after finding out that that text was sent when I was at the doctor's, I would probably go to Sophie before I'd show up at Dr. Beck's house. Right? Or like to my parents? Yeah. Again, oh yeah. Ryan I'm doesn't have child? parents. We, we, we never see Ryan's parents in this movie, do we? 
That's true. They're on well when no. when he gets injured, they're on like a business trip in Europe or something. And they're I th- both on a business trip, he, which I think is very strange too. And, they're both on this business and, trip. And and I think he 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 says he tells Sophie's dad, "Oh yeah, they're flying home from Europe." But we never end up seeing them later on in the movie, so I don't know if something happened to that flight or or what. But yeah, I just thought of that now. Yeah, we. It's never another see movie. Fans. It's going to be another movie in the universe. Something happened. Yeah, they're stalked by my parents business trip i don't pilot? know <laughs> stocked by my plane stocked by my stewardess i don't know <laughs> stocked by my stewardess has a nice ring to it again they can't get a new doctor for reasons and um dr beck does show the letter to mr green who like you said completely on dr beck's side to an insane amount to an insane degree rather Dr. Beck stalks her and her friend again and runs into them at the mall. And I love how this is clearly a female clothing store that he that he stops to talk to them in. This there's not a man's piece of there's not a man's garment in sight. And he says, like, hey, I wanted to apologize to you. And so he gets her a doll. She's like, How did you know I was into dolls? And he's like, I didn't. I just thought this would be like in my opinion, he kind of has a defense here. Because if you were to get someone like a little doll as like a little gift, would you necessarily have to assume they're into dolls to do that? Like she got him a teddy bear. She doesn't give a fuck if she, he's into teddy bears or not, right? I mean, that's fair, but I don't know. But obviously he it's... was in her bedroom. <laughs> he fell asleep in her bed. But yeah, so this is finally, for the first time, all filmed, the dad agrees okay we probably need a new doctor now because he's probably they don't even think he's been in the room but they think he's been looking at her through the window so sophie and the mom go to speak with him and say hey we're getting a new doctor never talk to her again never do like we don't want to see you he does his due diligence and finds out the mom's prescription drugs and finds out what she's allergic to and laces to yeah, what, what's what's oh she allergic God. to? It's um, penicillin. Um, penicillin. Whatever medication she's taking, he puts penicillin in it and then ships the medication to her door. Is this the thing? Is this a thing? Do people get their medication just in the mail? Like, I mean, it depends on what it is. I think that definitely exists. Okay, in this I feel like it age, exists for like, like heartworm medication for like dogs. Does it exist for people? Yeah, and I think like non-controlled substances okay. like i still have to show my id for like my adhd medication okay so, like no one's ever shipping that to me it, maybe you can send tylenol in the mail or something which isn't prescription <laughs> by the way but whatever she she takes it sophie comes home sees her mom collapsed in bed and drives her to the hospital and you know she gets taken care of not by dr beck but Dr. Beck notices her and says, well, you did a great job. You saved your you saved your mother's life. Looks like you are going to be a great doctor because if I hadn't mentioned, her goal is to go to medical school after college. So at this point, Sophie is going off to college. She is going alone. There are a couple terrible day for night shots where it was just incredibly distracting, but just a few because most of this takes place in a dark parking garage. But <laughs> Dr. Beck, Dr. Eric Roberts tracks her down and uses chloroform well, he crashes into her car, then he, like, presumably kidnaps her. But the next thing we see is a news story saying that she died in a car accident. She ran into, like, a light post, a lamp post, and the car blew up, and the body was too charred to be identified, basically. But they but they identified it through dental records or whatever. 
I enjoyed later on where like even at this point because in just a few seconds here basically it's revealed that she's alive and she's been kidnapped and she's tied up in bed but I like later on there's like a scene it reminded me of like a Saw movie they show like flashbacks like showing what Dr. Beck did and it's like I, I could have put that all together I didn't I didn't need to see just, I didn't need to see that. Like, I, he's a doctor. I, I could figure it out. I, I, <laughs> okay, but I can't even lie. Watching this for the first time, there was a moment where I went, oh, shit, they killed her. They actually killed that her. Like, yeah. my dumb ass fell for it. I can't okay, lie. I okay. fell for it for a split second. But my point is, once it's revealed that she's still alive, do you need to see anything else? No. Yeah, that's kind of my point. No, no I, but that's fair. I understand like, oh my God, they actually killed her. This is way more subversive than I was expecting, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got her tied up. He's made her a fake passport with his last name. So they're going to pretend to be married. He's going to take her to Baja, California, because that's his dream. Retire there and just live happily ever after. And of course, her family is grieving, but it's Ryan who first notices some inconsistencies because they're given back the ring that was found on the body. And the mom gives it to Ryan and Ryan's like, this isn't my grandmother's ring. This isn't her ring. I don't know if this was Sophie. And so they they do a little digging and they find that they get the coroner's report and they notice that Dr. Beck logged into it like 20 minutes after it was completed or something. And again, the dad doesn't care. This is all the mom and Ryan that, that like, want the daughter to be alive. The dad's just like, nah, she's dead. It's fine. We'll move on with her. The dad sucks. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Kid's dead. Because Ryan knows, of course, where Dr. Beck lives. They go to the mansion. They confront him. They kind of, I guess, technically, it's they break in, but he opens the door, and then they kind of just go in. But... Dr. Beck was able to chloroform her again and also stuff her in a trunk, Sophie, so they can't find Sophie. Meanwhile, when they go and check his bedroom, there's just this very large, like, human-sized trunk right in front of the bed, and they don't ask any questions. <laughs> it's oh, just, dear. like, the perfect size for a human body they to be like put in there. They were, like, 99% of the way there. I know, I know. But I liked, you know, we talked about Stephen Tobolowsky's, uh hero arc or his redemption arc i like ryan you know because we don't have a lot of reasons to like ryan in the beginning with the texting and driving i mean ryan is one could say ryan is the entire reason she's being stalked like it's technically all his fault (laughs) well yes but he's also kind of the hero she ends up kind of saving herself but yeah so anyways nothing is found at the house so they're going to go proceed with the funeral and everything it's when Dr. Beck is feeding Sophie that she pretends to give in to him. She kisses him and she's like, I'm ready to have sex. She doesn't, I think, say it in so many words, but this leads to my favorite quote, not just in this film, but maybe in any film. She tells him, I'm ready to finally do it with someone who's like an expert on the human body. And he says something along the lines of, well, I did take a full semester of gynecological studies, so I am quite skilled. There's like a long pause and it's like, oh my God, that's amazing. I can't believe, I mean, I can believe they made him say that, but I love the commitment of Eric Roberts to yeah, he committed the to silly it. material. <laughs> so he stops her when she tries to stab him with the knife. And then when she's like, I'll never give in to you. I don't love you. Then he's like, fine. If you're going to run from me, I'm going to take away your legs. If you're going to try and hit me, I'll take away your arms. And I'm going to take away your voice. Like, So he's planning on doing a surgery where he's cutting off her legs, arms, and probably tongue, I guess. He's got all of his utensils out. 
then she is able to free herself from her constraints, and then she beats him with a driver, the golf club. And it was actually amazing how brutal those smacks were. It actually looked like they connected. I just, that's such an old man weapon. Like, that's a driver, such a weapon yeah. for an old man doctor to have in his house. I mean, it would, it would get the job done. I think you could pretty easily yeah, kill someone totally. with it. Yeah. So she gets away, steals his car, drives to her house where they were having her funeral, and it's her best friend speaking about her when she walks up. And then there's the emotional reunion with Ryan, with the parents. Not with Ryan's parents. They didn't show up to the funeral for some reason even. And then, of course, the police... They had flight delays. Yeah, still. This has been delayed several months at this point. <laughs> COVID happened, and they, and they weren't able to leave, maybe. So then... Cops go over to to Eric Roberts's house. Obviously, he's gone. And then we catch up with him in Mexico, just living the good life with his uh, pina colada or whatever. And he's just, I thought this was a little strange. He's just like, oh, I just can't. He says something like, I can't wait for you to show up or something. And I thought he was like waiting for a new date. Like he he's on Mexican Tinder or something. But no, I think he's speaking to his, the, the, the Sophie in his mind that has just shown up and made out with him at different points. But I don't know. I haven't seen the sequels. So that is stalked by my doctor. Katie, what did you think of this fine, fine made for television film? I loved it, clearly. (laughs) I mean, if evidenced by the fact that I've watched all of the sequels (laughs) since watching this. So funny. You talked about the Mexico thing because that is where number two takes place. Oh, okay. So they do like a Saw X. Saw X takes place in Mexico. Uh. Yeah, so he does get over. He does get over Sophie and has a new. Um, but Sophie, I, I Sophie's know, back like, in at least one of the sequels. Is she? Is she? She, is. she? She probably Patience Revenge. I assume that's Sophie's story, right? Yes, okay. that's Sophie. That is Sophie. <laughs> yes, you're correct. She she makes her return. It's not over for her. But I like I said. Like I think I think because it was so overacted is why I liked it. But you were right. It's the commitment to the character. Like he's committed to being this absolute nutcase in a lifetime movie and i love it i know we mentioned his little freakouts i kind of skipped over his best one it's after she rejects his gift then he goes home and he just starts beating up on the doll that he bought her and it was the funniest thing in the world i loved it i don't know maybe this was just me but as much as i laugh at it i feel like there are genuinely men out there that react like that and i think maybe that's why i found it so funny because i can picture like even some of the guys I've gone on really horrible dates with, like, I yeah. I can picture them in my head. I can see their faces, like, doing that silly shit sure. after being rejected. So maybe that's part of why I enjoyed it so much. I get what you mean. Like, there's, <laughs> this is a stretching of reality, but there's enough reality in there. Oh, yeah. It's a silly, goofy little movie, but, like, this is not outside of you know, the realm of possibilities. Like, maybe not to this, like, degree and, you know, this ridiculousness, but I don't doubt for a second that this shit happens regularly. And and I mentioned earlier that I have seen a film that had basically this exact plot. It was handled with more class. And I actually, we were supposed to record this last night, but there were some technical issues. So I actually watched that movie last night. It is the 1935 film, The Raven, starring Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff. I love that movie. I think that's one of the best. It's not technically a universal monster movie because there's no monsters in it, but I think it's one of the best films of that kind of 1930s universal horror era. It's great. Bela Lugosi is a surgeon 
who saves a woman's life after a car accident and then thinks he's entitled to her body and is pissed off at her and pissed off at her father. She's like a 30-year-old woman in the movie, but if you think about it, 30 years old in 1930s, she's got about as much autonomy as a 18-year-old girl, 17-year-old girl, so it's like pretty similar dynamic. There's some subtlety in the in the character that's not really here. But, I mean, it's a completely different movie in, in just how they tackle the subject matter, but remarkable amount of similarities at the same time. So I just wanted to point, point out that if you want to see a black and white, less goofy version of the same story, check out Bela Lugosi <laughs> in The Raven. But uh, Yeah, nothing about this movie is subtle. No, there's, <laughs> there's no reference to gynecological so studies in The Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you mentioned the overacting, and we have talked about Eric Roberts is actually good in this movie. And this is something that I bring up often, and I bring it up a lot with Nicolas Cage, because there are some people, and I'm not saying you're one of these people, but I'm just like, there are people who are like, oh, overacting is bad. Overacting can be bad. Overacting can be really good in the right context. And I think in this context, made-for-TV kind of generic stalker movie, it's the right context. If if this was single white female, this would be too much. But I think just the lowering of expectations as to even just the presentation of the film, the performance is awesome. I think Eric Roberts is great in this movie. Yes, he's over the top. Yes, he's, he's the overacting. Character. Yeah. Like, there's a reason they have four sequels to it. I guess. I guess. I'm I'm sure a big reason is that Eric Roberts works cheap, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but why not Stalked by My Pilot? We have Stalked by My Doctor again. Yeah, there's like Stalked by My Mom. There's so many Stalked by... Yeah, do you remember those old books... The ones that took place in like schools and it was always like, they always had like kind of clever titles, but they're always like, oh, my teacher's a vampire kind of thing. Oh, yes. You know those books? What were those called? I know those books. Oh my God. Yeah, I know I had a bunch of them. There were so many of them. I probably had about six or seven. I probably only read a couple, but because I was more of a Magic Treehouse guy. Yeah, those books. I'm, I'm just thinking of like, there's so many variations of my gym teacher is a monster. My math teacher is a monster. My basketball coach is a yeah. monster. That's like what all those books were. We need a a stalked by my, you know, just like that, <laughs> you know, and stuff because we need every occupation possible. <laughs> stalked by my therapist could be a good one. Oh, it's the Bailey School Kids. I Bailey had to School Kids. Up. Yeah, I, Bailey I literally, I have not thought about that in twenty three years. But, but, it, but Doug Campbell brought it all back to me for a moment. Yeah, vampires don't wear polka dots. <laughs> That's such a throwback. Listen, this is this is what this podcast is all about. It's all about <laughs> watching weird ass movies and and being reminded of Unlocking times of memories. less miserable times in our lives. <laughs> I don't know. Remember back- when I could feel joy. <laughs> All right, so Katie, it sounds like we both loved this movie for a variety of reasons, but I'll ask you the question. Which of these two films, Single White Female or Stalked by My Doctor, do you prefer? Oh, am I a trashy person if I say Stalked by My Doctor? Well, if you are, then so am I, because doctor. I'm saying the same thing. It's, it's, for me, it's yeah. not that close. No, it's not even close for me either. Stalked by My Doctor is so entertaining. I don't know what it is. Like, literally, I watched that movie. I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. And I looked up like Doug Campbell and I just threw a bunch of his movies on our lists that we can (laughs) randomly select them. I had never heard of him before. I had never heard of any of these movies. I knew, you know, I know Eric Roberts. I know he does a lot of shit. And um, maybe this is an example of that. But this is at least an example of fun shit that he does. So, yeah. (laughs) 
I love Star Bat Detective. Yeah. It was just such a fun, silly little watch. And there were moments of suspense. Like I said, I thought she was dead at one point. I believed yeah. the stupid movie. When, I, thought, I thought they were going to stumble upon him when he fell asleep in her bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, it was, again, like I said, I've now I'm firmly into the universe of this movie. And I now am going to need to watch some of these other ones. I think. Yeah, I need to too. I, I this is still the only one I've seen in part because I, I want to know how to do this episode first, but yeah, the whole universe is because yeah, you, I, mean, I got to see stock by my mom or stock by my mother, whatever that, that is, <laughs> whatever yeah. that's called. You need to, you need to finish the stock by my doctor um, series. I do. If you want to call it that, but Absolutely. I will be branching out. I know how I'm going to spend at least part of my weekend now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So how do you think these two movies stack up as a double feature? Like I said earlier, these two movies, I think, are well paired with one another because it is kind of same, same, but different. And I think it's a good example of crazy female versus crazy male yeah that's the really interesting thing and in and, and it's also like understated craziness to overstated craziness male rage female rage like we see we see those depicted much differently the movies handle very similar subject matter but they handle them completely differently with different degrees of subtlety and i think that's why they're <laughs> that's kind of why they work well together it's it's like if you want to see what single what single white female would look like <laughs> if handled by Doug Campbell, I think we have a pretty good rubric for that now. These movies are remar- work remarkably well together. They're the same exact genre, which is not always common because we select these movies at random. But yeah, I'm, I was amazed at how well they work together. I did watch them entirely back to back as well, and I don't always do I that. I was going to say, what is the order you would watch them in, though? If you were going to do a double feature of this or recommend it to someone, what right. is the order that you would recommend them watch? I certainly like the order that we did. I mean, in, in terms of how I construct these episodes, we'll choose the two movies at random. Usually the weirder, I'll, I'll just kind of say the weirder one goes second. The more mainstream movie is first. The more violent movie is going to be second, the more, you know, in this case, no, but usually like the more erotic or the more sex filled one, more nudity is going to be the second one. And and the reason is because the second movie, it's later at night. It's more, it's time for weird shit, I guess, is what I'm saying. If you're imagining this in a drive-in theater setting, well... No family is going to see this stuff of feature. Yeah, but I'm just the thinking, children are just, gone. No, no, no children are. are <laughs> no um, children at all for this double feature. No, adult, adults only. But but <laughs> I'm picturing like you invite the families in and you watch the first movie. Kids are falling asleep by the second movie. We can show an R-rated movie or something. In this case, it's actually the opposite because single white female is R-rated. This stuck by my doctor is television film, TV 14 or whatever. I did see in one letterbox review, they watched it. I don't know if it was on YouTube or maybe on television. The word tit was blurred out in the text uh so so there's that like single white female is the like we said it was a mainstream film that was relatively popular it's pretty normal and then stuck by my doctor is like funny and it's weird and it's i don't know it, it just works better as a second feature for me yeah i agree i think it's the better way to watch them too it also i don't know i mean single white female it ends in a funny way, but it's a much heavier film. Like, there's some That's, stuff yeah. you need to process from that. And I think the follow-up of Stalked by My Doctor has the levity that you need yes. after watching. That is Something a like that. wonderful way to describe it. <laughs> and with that, I would like to say, Katie, thank you 
for joining me. I think this was this was a lot of fun, at least for me. So I hope you had. I definitely so. enjoyed it, and I <laughs> okay. enjoyed watching two movies I probably would not have maybe sought out on my own, but enjoyed yeah. both. So yeah, that's the thing. Stalked by my doctor is like. That's my new goal in life is to get people to watch this movie now. It's like uh, I, I already feel that way about Assassin 33 AD. <laughs> but it's like uh, there's this is going to be one of those movies that I'm just going to recommend to so many people. And most people won't listen to my recommendation. And most people who watch it probably won't get the same amount of entertainment that I did out of it. But I don't care. I got to keep listen, trying. You got right? at least one. So there we go. Yes. Take that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you. For <laughs> so thank you, Katie, and just for our listeners out there, I want to tell you about what we've got coming up next episode. We've got Jim returning. Um, we've got Ambulance, the 2022 Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Bay directed film, which I've never seen but heard mostly good things about. And we've got 1958's Born Reckless. It's a Mamie Van Doren western. So two movies I've never seen. Next time, so that's exciting because that doesn't always happen. Yes, uh, thank you for joining us this time. Please join us next time. And Katie, once again, thank you very much.